welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that provides you with conversations with experts and like-minded people who would like to see education turn into a flourishing environment for the well-being of all. So, are you ready? Let's start. Hope you enjoy this session. So tonight or today, because depending on what time you'll be listening to this podcast, but we're doing this tonight, so in the evening, I welcome um, a friend and a colleague, uh, Dr. Ashish Bhatia, who's a GP, um, and he calls um, GP gentle presence. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, He's a tutor at the medical school at the University of Bristol, and I met him through um, the university, um, but he's also the founder of a foundation called Humble, which will launch um, sometime in December. So Ashish, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. It's so nice to hang out with you, Fabian. So it's a pleasure. Yes, I love our conversations. They're always really fruitful and they get me to think, so it's great. <laughs> so we let's start with, with the gentle presence then. Um, so you, you're a GP. Uh, for our friends who are not in the UK, GP is general practitioner, so it's a doctor of general medicine. Uh, <laughs> um, for those in the UK, you know what a GP is. Um, so do you want to tell tell us why you call uh, being a GP a gentle presence? Oh, um, I, yeah, um, where to begin? Um, I suppose I'm a simple guy. I'm slightly playful as well. I um, am motivated by love and um, I work with and through presence. I um, notice that... Uh, and fell into medicine with the sole intention of showing up and being present. And I found it helped bring out the best in me and those who came to see me. And I still find it does. Um, And so I came out and said, that's what it means to me. (laughs) And people still come and and we still get on and stuff gets done. environment because the NHS you have like set amount of time to see your clients and um, is that challenging you know um, in terms of maybe sometimes feeling rushed um, because you only have like 10 minute consultation with with people um, so there are challenges um, the the I suppose starting in framing my intention as simply being present means it's really easy to do that because I'm always being, (laughs) I'm never not present. And um, with the time, we work with what we've got, which is that time together. And um, I'm, um, even to this day, you know, 25 years since I started training, I, I still am blown away by how effective just what can happen when you just show up together? Um, yeah, <laughs> there, there are pressures. So that's part of my challenge. So how do we work with it? And I kind of, 
I'm quite open about it. So I suppose slightly different to what most people expect is I say, you know, uh, yeah, I'd love to help you bring out your best. Let's bring out the best in me too. So I invite that person to work with what I've got. And, and, they, and once someone is empowered in that state, they realize that the time they've got with you is precious and, and you work with it. So tell me a little bit more about the foundation Humble that you are about to launch. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. Um, so it feels like I'm about to launch a ship that I've been building. Um, so um, it's hugely arrogant to call something you're involved in Humble. Um, but I find it really helpful. Um, it, um, it comes from the sense that um, I, um, yeah, I remember having lots of report cards when I was a, a younger naughty boy that said, yeah, um, could do better. <laughs> and I have this, <laughs> I, and I saw it as like, great. <laughs> Someone believes in me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I genuinely feel that we're doing the best we can with what we've got and that we can do better. Um, and so uh, I sort of approach um, myself and the relationships that we have. So if people come to see me with this sense of, OK, um, uh, how can we bring out the best in this situation and, and um, flourish in it? To, to kind of quote something that, yeah, that I find really moving in your work, too. And so, um, yep. so, the, so the work that you're, the, the work that the foundation will be doing, what's, what's the, do you have a specific aim for the foundation? Um, well, I, I'm uncovering just how ambitious it is. So the, the essence of it is that um, it, it invites people to bring out the best in themselves and each other, working with um, pardon me, I, I'm very good at sleeping, so I wake up with acronyms in the morning. To, helping people bring out their best, to me, means working with their body, so their physical health, their experiences, which is their emotional and mental um, health, and experiences also includes other aspects too. Their situations, which is their, you could think of it as the environments and spaces, that we are our like outer sides, so the part of us that's outside our skin, we're not defined by our skin purely. And then the T is for teams. So the quality of those relationships with the sense of me, the sense of we, the sense of what lies between, and then what, what comes beyond us, that sense of transcendence. Um, and uh, uh, just from these little seeds, I, I've just been offering these um, spaces um, running groups through my um, work as a GP um, and, and people have come along and the, the results have been amazing and, and now from that I've been asked to engage with humble beings so I call, uh, call, call us people beings. I stopped using the word patient about 15 years ago because I didn't find it particularly helpful because I didn't want to define someone by their disease um, and, and patient in me means someone who's waiting for something else when we've started we're here. Um, uh, uh, so humble beings, humble teams, uh, and um, uh, humble organisations, and humble students. <laughs> uh, so that's the kind of the, the breadth of it. 
Um, and I developed a series of resources just by listening and learning from each person I've met. I've been so lucky, I feel so lucky to do the work I do because people really generously just give their experiences in their lives to share. And, and, and each time I've just been, I've just learned from each person and I, I've researched, I've been teaching in the medical school for quite a few years. And it got to the point where I realized I couldn't ethically sign prescriptions without offering what I knew, which is, you know, just looking at sleep, for example, if you, we're all, as a nation and as a planet, we're, we're, we're sleeping less and with poorer quality than we're designed to do. And the implications are just massive for our, our health and performance, you know, in terms of all cause mortality, you know, 10% increase in risk in certain types of cancers from being poorly slept. Um, and I can't sign a prescription that's as good as helping someone get an extra half hour sleep. So with my, my wife's support, I sort of said to her, I, I, I don't, you know, well, we have young, young children as well. So I feel so supported by my wife who said, yeah, go on out there, just do it. So she gave me a Thursday evening to just offer these groups to anyone. And then they came along and um, we just just had so much fun together. And um, and, and I just, I, I'm even now just see the, the ripples of it. So I feel really lucky to do what I do. For you, I mean, obviously sleep, massive. What are the yeah. other, according to you, the other big factors, contributing factors to our, our languishing rather than flourishing? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, there are there are many ways of approaching it. Um, the um, I suppose at, at its essence, um, the problem is the belief that this is a problem. Um, <laughs> and it's so it's so infectious. It's so contagious. It's it's normal. It's normal. And and we are designed to have that program operating through us because it it does it does serve a purpose it also leads to its own dissolution <laughs> um, so i suppose that's one part the other part is is um, that we're defined by our skin when so many things point to the contrary of it to it um, um, we, we are in a, an environment right now that is radically different to that which our physiologies evolved to be in so, you know, we, we spent millennia in working um, deeply entwined with um, um, nature's rhythms, deeply entwined with our tribes and deeply connected through the nourishing um, flow of energy and information, which people would think of as food and air and water and, and, and you know, currently media. We're entwined in, in these and, um, you know, connected to all of those things. And, and they've changed somewhat, as well as our, our sense of identity. And, and for me, I, I don't really see that as a problem. I see that this is, is, you know, this is it. <laughs> this is really it. <laughs> and as our um, opportunity to show up and be the love that we are in this time, with the time that we're in this form. And when 
we do that it becomes like an opportunity you know and you just think really i feel really blessed to have this time um and we're, we're on the verge of so many exciting changes it's like a quickening so with, with this rapidity we're about to give birth to a new possibility um, um you know um there are there were species on this planet preceding homo sapiens <laughs> and there will be manifestations of this life that come after after us um, and as deeply driven as our experience of of of, of our identification we have with it everything also points to something that 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 um is more than that too and, and if you if you can kind of feel easy with it you know the word and rather than but becomes your language so that hammer fell on my foot and it's really sore <laughs> and it's stopping me from walking where i want to get to it doesn't become a but it just becomes an and instead it's just like okay this is it and i can get on with it that was a very long answer I... <laughs> I i am so sorry fabian i can't hear you No, it's gone again. I'm sorry, I could just heard of something. I'm sorry. Can you can you hear me? I'm getting just broken up bits. Well, maybe it's nice to have a silence for a bit. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Right. I, if I turn my um, apologies for the for this, uh, obviously I have to turn my camera off. <laughs> so you. <laughs> You'll only get, well, I get a chance to dance around as well. So <laughs> um, I can move. Yes. So um, one other question I wanted to ask you from what you said um, just now is around this notion of living in a, you know, we used to live in tribes and now we live in societies but we are still dependent on the social norms and the social, um, well, all of the, the culture, the content of that culture we live in. And one of the things that I've recently noticed and I started talking to people about is, well, one is not new because I noticed it in 2017 and that's why I wrote the book. Um, but this, the second one that I'm gonna mention is a newer thing. So we, I believe that in around uh, schooling and system and, and in, in schools, a lot of the conversations are about more languishing and stress and anxiety. So a lot of the negatives, like I mentioned in the book, but also around teenagers, we tend in our society in the UK, we tend to still have the image of Kevin and Perry and you know I've got a 13 year old so my son's just turned 13 uh, in November and the comments the amount of comments I had about him turning into a teenager I mean I said we have a teenager in the house and people were just sort of saying oh my goodness you know is Kevin home and all these things and I wonder how that shapes how we view an event or a situation or someone you know if we see them as, as as Kevin the teenager how far do you think is that influencing the 
the way they 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 show up, I guess. Going through adolescence is a very um, a very a turbulent time for for anyone for for multitude of reasons. I mean, the, the, there's some great work by Dan Siegel, um, Siegel rather, looking at the um, adolescent mind and the physiological changes that go on. So to do with sort of dopamine sensitivity, it's all about there's momentum there to challenge the, the status quo so that they are motivated to leave the nest. And in an environment that um, is, is changing very rapidly with um, different dynamic reference points changing too, that's a, that's a really turbulent time. So our, our context of identities, the kind of... The, the crux that you were sort of saying, how are we labelled? Well, labelled as Kevin, the problem kind of then leads to our, our behaviours changing. I mean, one of the things I've, I've no, noticed, and, and, and you with your linguistic skills, is how we describe things frames in our mind how, um, how we behave. It is a very quantum entangled state. Um, so, um, uh, so, realizing that so, that someone through their adolescence is going through a transition, a very powerful transition in an identity that's going to knock on to their, their attitudes, their skills, their behaviors and the systems around them um, is, is, is quite empowering just by saying, you know what, I can recognize this is going to be tough. And your job is to check that test boundaries. Thank goodness for adolescence. You know, we wouldn't be taking so seriously. We, we wouldn't change without some kind of kick up the butt to change because there's an innate tendency towards loss aversion. <laughs> we try and avoid loss, including change. We prefer, prefer the status quo, even if it's uncomfortable or we're heading for an iceberg in most cases. So thank goodness for adolescence, long way it lasts. Um, how do we help them come through it and survive out of the other end? Um, because the, they, they are encountering far more challenges than perhaps we did in our adolescence. I think one is, is understanding and acceptance. The other is just allowing a bit of space because we don't necessarily want to label them and substitute their label for another one. We can co-create labels if they're helpful, but at some stage it's nice to just let them go. So good. And then there's space for something else to emerge, you know, something beautiful. Yes, that's really, really nice. I really like that. And also the, the, the big momentum is to say this is all a character thing when it's not. <laughs> um, our serotonin, so much of, of, uh, of what shapes our perceptions and behaviours is influenced by, for example, um, the physical environments we're in, the foods that nourish us, the um, the microbiome, which is the genetics and the bacteria and the viruses that colonize us, which is actually a bigger determinant of our behaviors than, um, than many of the biological parameters that we've inherited. Um, you know, so simply by looking at us as being more than our skin and those um, adolescents as being more than their skin allows them the capacity to do it. I mean, 
For example, 80% plus of our serotonin, which generates our sense of serenity and sense of satisfaction, comes from our gut. <laughs> um, uh, our movement makes a difference and we're spending more and more time sedentary and engaged in screens. And we're designed to move and have lateral eye movements that, that generate um, our neural processes to change to evoke something called direct experience networks, those senses of being present and who we are. Um, sorry, I could just rant on about environment. No, small tribes and we don't get the touch that we used to that's a great one you know so you can have lots of likes on facebook but it's not the same it doesn't actually give us the oxytocin that we're designed to get when someone just maybe pats us on the back or gives us a stroke or even gives us a wrestle <laughs> now, the good news is by understanding this we're in such a fertile time now where this knowledge is there we can then harness it and transform into something that is extraordinary. And I've seen it again and again. People have written themselves off and change within really fast periods of time and then being a beacon for their families and their community. Um, it's, it's just incredible what we're capable of. Yes. So how much we underestimate what we can do as well, I think. Yes, yeah. Just seeing, seeing our potential. So I give us all a 10 out of 10 for effort and then uh, a, a 10 out of 100 for potential because we we're, we're only just tasting it. But it's just vast, absolutely vast. Um, the challenging thing is knowledge alone doesn't change behaviours. Um, you just have to look at a cigarette packet. Um, we, you know, look at a cigarette packet. Most people wouldn't voluntarily do something that harms themselves and their family. Um, but realising that we're, we're, we have factors that influence our behaviour and how we can then work with them through that capacity to be humble and to be moved and changed and learn um, is um, hugely empowering. And uh, the thing I hear the most, because people come to see me and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Um, I'd like to change my body shape or I'd like to address this, this, this diagnosis I've, I've got. And then they realise, my goodness, actually, I can still live a full life knowing these things, that then empowers them to then change those things. And then they come, so if I can change that, can I really just apply it to something else? And then they, they, they can then just change something else. It's, it's really very pleasant to be part of. And just witnessing someone flourishing, it just, it, it's such a pleasant experience. Seeing others flourish, flourish and be a, an empowered version of flourishing has, you know, I think it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, is that sense of presence that's almost, you know, um, I, I can't show you because I've got my camera off, but for, for the listeners and for you, um, I've got in, in front of me, in front of my computer, I've got a picture of a lighthouse. Um, and that is the image that I often think of in terms of uh, who I want to be and also how I want to be, sort of like this beacon of, of light and presence for others. Um, and, and in a way, you describe that with, with you know, what you're trying to do as well, isn't it? It's that sort of sense of 
sturdy presence, uh, you're shining your lights in and, and guiding people to find their way. I love that. Yeah, and, and the light emits, it comes from us. I love that lighthouse analogy, thank you. And, and it takes work to keep that lighthouse maintained. You need to maintain the foundations, you need to prioritize it, you need to have clear sight as well. You know, so it takes investment, it's a practice that you show up for because it's fun. It is actually the destination. <laughs> this is it. And um, the, the bit that I think can be challenging is the, the, the experience of, of loss and destruction. Um, so part of flourishing, uh, you actually need compost. You, you need some of the grit and the dirt and the, the muck and the mud. You do need some of the, the, the challenges to realize our potential. There's some great work by um, um, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who, who's looked at what changes our behavior um, and recognize that frustration is a key function of being human. Just look at any, any hero's story, any Harry Potter to the Odyssey, and just look at your life, for example. It's just, we've got this um, capacity to transform these frustrations into a sense of aspiration and those aspirations into a sense of development, and then those sense of development then lead us to transcend that system. Something, something that was always there then becomes apparent and shines through like that light. So you were saying we need to look after the lighthouse, we need to look after the foundation and, you know, uh, etc. And you also talk about talked about the um, gut biome. So I think I think we personally have only recently got into um, nourishing food and nourishing my body and nourishing myself. Um, so I started in 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 June to work with a nutritionist and to try and understand how to nourish my body rather than just going on fad diets all the time etc um, and it's been transformational so I feel so much better because I I understand well I understand more how what my body in, enjoys in terms of food and some of the food that it doesn't enjoy as much etc but also I, I eat more nourishing food. So do you think that maybe as a society, we, we don't promote this enough, the healthy eating and, you know, looking after our body? Because sometimes it feels like it's, it's almost like body take head to meeting. <laughs> I love those two. Holistically. I, I, I do think society um, promotes it, 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 it in terms of what I think society is, which is society is a series of, um, of um, um, cultural memes. So, so we have we have a you know an entity that is our shared intelligence in our society, the narratives and the stories that we share. One of the stories that's there is, you know, you are what you eat, let's eat well. The, the challenge is um, that what that is, is not always the same. It's not the same for everyone, and it's not the same for you 
uh, today as it is tomorrow. It's a very dynamic system. And so in an environment where there are fewer pauses to pay attention to what's actually happening, it often, um, the more intense the stimulus, the more obvious it is. And so, um, I, for example, if I was to go into Sainsbury's, I'd look in there and I'd really call maybe two aisles food <laughs> and the rest is entertainment. Um, and entertainment has a place. It definitely stimulates us, but it's not kind of that level of depth of nourishment that um, you kind of feel that you don't get the instant response to or the convenience to. Um, there's also the air we breathe and the manner we breathe, there's the water we get, the, the light that we're nourished by. Um, you know, the, the artificial light that we're in at the moment is not quite what my body's designed to do. But interestingly, I'll just do what I do now, is I'm just about to put a pair of blue blockers on, because th though it's dark, I can just put these glasses on and I can realize actually, um, by blocking out certain wavelengths of light, I can then allow my body to realize what time of day it is and still connect with my friend. Amazing. <laughs> uh, for anyone, you can't see me, I'm wearing a pair of Huggy Bear type glasses. If you've ever watched Darcy and Hutch, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, wow, cool. So, so what the, and that is blocking the, what type of lights and, so there's certain wavelengths of light that our bodies are attuned to. And so um, in the morning, um, we set our body clock. So we've got a body clock in every one of our cells. We've got a clock in every one of our cells that runs over a 25 hour cycle. And it gets set each day um, by um, the light we receive. In the morning, if we get the blue light, which is a sort of wavelength of light you get when the sun rises, it says, okay, start the clock now. And then at nighttime, it gets darker naturally. And we, we've kind of evolved, you know, to not, um, you know, not pee in our cave for millions of years. We would have gone outside and set our body clock at the start of the day. And then when it got dark, we would have, you know, started to quieten things. But because we're able to stay up lighter later with artificial light, we delay the release of melatonin, which is like the starting gun for the sleep process. And so though many of us are, are actually going to sleep and being unconscious in bed, the actual nourishing sleep processes for our body don't really start properly for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and so by recognizing that we're designed for these rhythms, we can work with them and, and then, you know, um, they, they can nourish us in, in these new, unique environments. That's like, <laughs> I just did that. I love it. It's, it's, um, it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, it's so fascinating. We are remarkable things and we have, we have great insights and we're in a time where we're, we're learning. And then once you've learned one thing that helps you feel a little bit better, you're then thinking, okay, so what else could I learn? What else could I could I help and shape um, and work with? So that's that working collaboratively with the environments we're in. Um, part of it is realizing we're actually, you know, we have evolved to live on the brink of starvation. For example, um, we had prolonged periods where our bodies would have been hungry and done its regenerating, 
And one of the really profound things that you can do if you want to change your, your body composition and your body functioning is to actually give your body some times of rest. Um, so um, perhaps stop eating three hours before bedtime and, and maybe only drink water. Now our bodies are designed to be on the brink of starvation. So if there's tasty, fat-rich, sugar-rich, flavor-rich stuff out there, we're designed to get it in as quickly as we could, can, as often as we can. But it's actually just realizing that actually feeling hungry can feel quite good. You can feel alive. Um, you can actually feel hungry for life. <laughs> and you can go to bed with that sense of, ah, oh, there's some deeper joy here. <laughs> so it's tuning into those deeper joys, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and just a simple thing like resting your gut, a bit like you close a motorway so it gets cleaned all the way through um, and, and the other processes of nourishing and reducing inflammation um, will make us feel much better. There's really strong evidence, for example, that depression is actually an inflammatory process, um, massively mediated by the functioning of uh, inflammatory processes. So whether we can feel soothed, whether our gut is functioning properly, whether we we counterbalance inflammation with our muscular activity. So that's why moving really makes a difference. Um, and physical activity um, is really important to us too. We're designed to, you know, to move and express ourselves. So, so we've talked about the, the, the gut and I recently read a, a book called M-Braining, which talks about the, the, the gut brain and the heart brain and the head the head brain and how to be flourishing we need to be to have all three aligned so how does that fit in with with the work you do do you also talk about the the free brains yeah for me may i say something slightly controversial yeah. um that flourishing happens now it's actually that quality that one takes in this moment and then the manifestation of health is the product of that <laughs> and so that it, it starts now and then uh, the process of these parts communicating like a team with each other is, is the expression of that um, so one of the things in, in the process I'd sort of describe is, is the our experiences and how they're interrelated and, and those senses of those evolutionary parts we've inherited. So you can think of your gut, uh, which has got masses of neurons in it, more neurons than the rest of, of your spinal cord, for example, is in your gut. And I think of it like the worm nervous system. And then you've got our evolutionary reptilian nervous system that controls our, our, our um, sort of autonomic nervous system. So all those blood pressure, pulse, sweating, survival type activities. And then you have this primate brain, which is more of the frontal cortex, that capacity to imagine man's great inheritance, which is a tool we're only just learning to harness, perhaps we'll become sapiens and wise, is that capacity to imagine. And then we've got this shared zeitgeist, this cultural intelligence, which has the same evolutionary mechanisms operating in it. And, and our relationship with technology is not new. Our guts have evolved in relation to our ability to harness fire. Uh, our minds have evolved in our ability to communicate effectively. And 
and share delusions with each other so that we can collaborate. That's what made Homo sapiens so successful. The challenge is we, we've been given this amazing tool that we're just starting to learn how to, how to work with and, and that capacity for mastery. What we know, so let you know, in terms of the brain, for example, the fact that we used to think that you know you would your brain would be fully developed at the age of 20 and then it'd go downhill from there. And now we know that in fact it's not developed fully until you're 25. Um, so, so the 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 last it feels to me like the last 10 years we've learned so much about our bodies and who we are and you know all those things oh we're still learning we're just touching it it's, it's awesome the amount of stuff it just sheds more questions really i mean there's a lot of research that shows there's huge amounts of neuroplasticity and that that means we have the capacity to rewire our our, our brains and they use the word brains rather than minds because our minds is this coalescence of all of these factors that come together it's a bit like um, a stage. So our mind is like the stage in which our thoughts come in, our feelings, which is our body, comes in, and, and all of the environmental factors that influence us come in onto that stage. And we have all these different brains, so your gut, your worm brain, your reptilian brain, your primate brain, and the sapiens brain. And then, you know, the capacity. The other thing that's really remarkable is that we're, we are influenced by something that operates on a quantum level too we have processes in our system that don't follow normal newtonian physics <laughs> so, so with the same kind of capacity for emergent phenomenon um that um you know so for example the light receptors in our eyes um uh, are uh, rely on things existing in multiple states <laughs> so they're not just existing in one state of, of being, they're fluctuating all the time, and these influence us. Um, for, uh, another perfect example is that when we go to sleep, for example, our, our insulation processes, the, the myelin around our brain, shrinks to allow large proteins to drain out. But there's also a really influential process that goes on. We've actually got an internal random thought generator. So it generates spontaneity for us to do some extraordinary things inbuilt within us. Um, so all, all of these processes are just tucked in there. The nice thing is you don't have to understand them. It's more sort of revealing it by just literally paying attention. Um, and paying attention is the very way in which those processes, the neuroplasticity that I started with talking about is actually how it happens. Is simply by directing your attention with focused attention, loving intention, open awareness, um, and time or grace. Put those together, and that's meditation. The, the, the lovely thing for me is, as all these new bits of research are coming up, they're just affirming things that, that ancients had uncovered, you know, two and a half, three thousand years ago. And I just, I'm blown away by how they, where they worked this all out. It's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I love how you're talking about awareness because I've started doing some work um, with a school, a secondary school, and with uh, sixth formers um, 
you know, doing some literally um, getting them to become well-being champions by first mm. uh, learning about themselves. And so the first yeah. part of the, the course, what we're doing is about awareness. And then we're going to talk about the well-being, uh, the flourishing model. And I'm going to literally show them what I believe, you know, is a flourishing model, what the, the different parts and get them to look at themselves and, and you know, what you were saying about the, eat, the eating not being for, you know, there's not one size fits all for everybody and that it changes. It's the same with our flourishing for me in the sense that um, as an individual, my needs will be different from your needs. Um, and I just, I mean, I don't know whether you'll agree with that, but I just think that to be a conscious creator, which is the last bit, uh, you know, to be a flourishing being, you need to yeah. first be aware, you need to, to then understand, to then be able to have the actions and the behavior that create that conscious creation. Um, yeah. Would you agree with that? Very much so. So uh, can I share what I heard? Because there was so much here. <laughs> I love listening to you, Fabian. <laughs> it's, it's about em embodiment of, of of what you uh, you are becoming, so simultaneously becoming what you aspire to be by embodying it now, and by you seeing those students' beauty and potential, they they then have the opportunity to see it in themselves, and and they they then authentically affirm who they really are, which is these really well beings, these flourishing beings, um, and, and that sort of sense of identity we were talking about with the teens is is. It, it's very permissive. Once they, once someone's identity is changed, their their behaviours will knock on. So you know, someone who who perceives themselves as, um, or for example, a vegetarian, they wouldn't really need to say, you know, resist me because it's just not for them. Um, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm omnivorous, but you know, it just becomes easier. It's just not for me. Whereas that thing is for me. And I, I find helping people connect in with their authentic affirmation, so who they are. They and then they're just on a journey of its continuous realization. <laughs> yes. Although I think a lot of people find it difficult to be authentic, to allow themselves to really be, you know, myself included. Um, I sometimes feel like I put a lot of masks on. <laughs> as in you know depending on where the environment I'm in and actually you know you're talking about identity I believe I'm a different person as a mother than I, I am as a as a wife and as a as a teacher and as a manager um so what advice do you have for for us who maybe sometimes feel like we are we're wearing so many masks that it's a little bit like which one am I <laughs> today I mean, if, if someone is asking that that they don't really need my advice they're doing it already just just you know they're just showing up and noticing that that we do play these roles do you remember I sort of said that our mind is like a stage and I think Shakespeare said you know our mind is like a stage and we're about actors on it we're playing these different roles and so play them <laughs> uh, it, the, the one thing that I've, I've, I'm, I'm perhaps um, feeling um, really excited about is that I've developed this four-stage process that um, 
enables that capacity to be present with what's actually happening. Um, I call it the humble way. And it's four simple steps that have transformed my life. They, they gave, helped my father. So I, you have some serious conversations with someone when they're, when they're facing life-threatening conditions. And my, my father broke his neck. And so I was with him in hospital and I had one of those honest conversations with dad, you know, I'm not sure what we're doing here. And we worked these things out together. And then after we worked it out, we put it into practice and he had a wonderful life, even though he couldn't move his arms and legs. You know, he achieved the things that really mattered to him. He wanted to see the cricket, wanted my mum to have, you know, the house finished. He wanted to enjoy some good relationships and mend some bonds. And he did it just by following four simple steps. Is you ready? Can I share them with you? <laughs> okay, the first one is start where you are. The next one is choose what really matters. The next one is do what really helps. And then the last one is rise and shine. Uh, those, uh, sorry, re relax and shine rather, relax and shine. So those four steps have a really powerful evidence base behind them. They're actually, um, um, I call them a map. So they, they cultivate four qualities that are known to be associated with them, um, a wonderful life, which is acceptance, mastery, sense that you can improve and then change things, and agency. So the ability that there's a part of you that's participating in that process, um, and then purpose, the sense of, of meaning. Um, and so those four steps, and we, we can do it wherever we are, and they're all the same thing. It's very holographic. Um, so you're never in a situation where you can't start where you are. <laughs> and you just start there with that sense of acceptance or forgiveness or, or, or readiness. Um, and starting with you where you are also says, you know, I'm here and I'm going somewhere too. The choose what really matters is, is kind of demonstrates that sense of agency as well as purpose. And it kind of gives you an opportunity to say, okay, you know, as challenging as this situation might be, it's pointing me towards what really matters to me. Um, and when I've listened to many, many stories, so, uh, you know, I, I've had 12,000 people under my care in various guises, uh, it boils down to love, <laughs> some, some aspect of love in my understanding. And then the do what really helps, it seems really simple, but it's all about, um, I suppose not doing what doesn't help you, <laughs> which is kind of, and sometimes beating yourself up for knowing that you've got these habits doesn't really help. Um, sometimes it's saying, you know what, I'm not at my best at certain times, so I'm going to make it easy to do what helps. Give myself prompts, make it small and make it fun, make it um, or challenging enough. And then the relax is probably the part that most people forget about, but actually it's during that time when we relax and shine that these other possibilities, our capacity to transform, when we actually surrender our need to choose, to control, that our, our sense, we just get that sense of ease of being. Um, so that's those four simple steps. And I'll, I'll invite any of the listeners and, and myself as well to just try it. How, don't take my word for it, just give it a go. So wherever you are right now, would it be okay to start where you are? How's that for you, Fabian? Yes, absolutely. There's not nowhere else to, to start from. Nowhere else can you? 
So you may as well start here. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the next part is, would it be all right to choose what really matters? To show up and say, yeah, I'm up for this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A meaningful life. And then would it be okay to do what really helps? To help that happen? Just give it your best. Yes. Even and, and doing what really helps doesn't necessarily mean doing what's expected of you. Doesn't necessarily mean it, it will be fair at the time or or expedient. Or necessarily, it might not feel pleasant, but it will feel right. And when you know you can do what is right, the circumstances get transcended. You're not necessarily, your sense of peace or joy is not divine, defined by your circumstances. The circumstances become the opportunity for you to realise it and to express it and to share it and radiate like that lighthouse. And then you can relax because <laughs> actually, you know what? We are we are determined by our environment. We're doing the best we can. It's OK to relax and shine. Just be sparkling, beautiful things. And even if that means suffering, we're still doing that. Even if it means tears, we're still doing it. And that's part of our shine. So that's that's the humble way that I've been doing and working on. And that has just been really moving for me. almost finish this conversation for today here because it's so powerful I think that would be really awesome just leave people with the the humble way so start where you are choose what really matters do what helps relax and shine relax and shine and it's it's based on presence they're just present practices so you're not you're doing it already we're just showing up for it together now so powerful. I love the conversation, Mishish, and could speak to you forever. Well, thank you. I feel so, so blessed to hang out with you as well. It's a real honour. Yes. So um, if people want to find you and want to find more about the Humble Foundation, where do they uh, find you? How do they connect with you? Um, well, I, I suppose it starts now, so um, just feel my company and maybe give me a smile. <laughs> uh, if you wanted to get in touch in person, um, you can do it through a website, www.humble.info, so it's humble.info. It's a landing page today, but I'm, I'm hoping with the, some help of some friends, it's going to be um, released on the winter solstice 2020. And that's uh, around the 20th of December. Um, there's also, there, there, I've got a group of friends who are supporting me, so I, I'm not doing this alone. There's a group of friends called the Humble Pioneers, which are um, um, a group of friends who, you know, other um, health professionals who have a holistic approach, who have been just exploring with me, helping me manifest this. And um, so just look out for them too, as well. collaborations with flourishing education and, and the work you're doing because I love this so that's fabulous 
Um, wonderful. Thank you. So um, when I when I wrap up with with my guests as a I always like them to sort of, you know, I mean, the, the, what you've just given us is so powerful that I almost feel like I don't need to ask you this question, but um, <laughs> I'll ask it anyway. Um, if you have one thing or one word that you would like to leave us with, as well as those four gems you've just shared, um, what would it be? Oh, um, it's going to be on my epitaph. This is it. This is it. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I could explain. I like it because um, it shows you what's going on inside you. Because you could be saying, yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is really it. It could be going, this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> but it's just a very generous way of, of us showing up together. So that would be my one. This is it. <laughs> Is it and yes, fabulous it. <laughs> I love it. Oh wow. So thank you so much. Um I feel that we can you know maybe we'll have another conversation sometime soon and we can explore further. That would be awesome if you're if you're game. Oh, I'd be honored. I really love what you're doing, Fabian. Thank you for doing it. It's great. Thank you, and you too. Thank you for being such a, a powerful light. Love your work. flourishing.